0: This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies hello everyone and welcome to another episode of e2b energy to business an opportune podcast i'm your host daniel litwin the voice of b2b and folks per usual thanks for joining us on another episode of the show it's always good to be behind the mic with the opportune team chatting big picture trends and strategies as well as technologies and people that are defining the energy industry today and tomorrow So as we jump into today's topic, which uh, includes a panel of three different guests, which is definitely one of my favorites to be pulling from uh, as many opportune perspectives as possible, I want to make sure that you've got all the other opportune perspectives and pieces of content that you need to feel fully caught up. So make sure you're heading to our website, opportune.com. Again, that's opportune.com, and there you'll find other episodes of E2B, as well as other videos, articles, blogs, and more. You can also subscribe to Energy to Business on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So just hit that subscribe button and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations plus notifications when we drop new episodes. So on today's episode of the show we're going to be hosting somewhat of a careers panel with three of opportune's best. And we're going to be discussing an important priority for the energy industry, and that would be ensuring diversity in the workforce. Now, commitments to diversity are just one piece of the big ESG puzzle that's now dictating most future-focused strategies for companies in every industry, including energy. And even then, it is an easier said than done endeavor to Really reach goals for true change, perspective shifts, and turn them into self-sustaining trends in diversity. Now, obviously chatting just all ESG strategies or all diversity is kind of a a big bucket, right? So today we're going to be focusing in on one demographic for the episode, and that's going to be women in energy. To get a better sense for what the industry has to offer for women and also what women can do to set the standards that they want to see in the industry. So today we're going to be sitting down with three women on the opportune team to chat their career journeys and what they feel the industry needs to do to keep bringing in a diverse workforce as well as they're all going to offer us some tips for other women seeking a career in the energy industry. So I'm pleased to welcome our three guests. We'll go ahead and go down the line first. First up, Katie Rose Hurd, director at OPPORTUNE. Katie Rose, great to have you on. How are you?
1: Thank you so much. Happy to be here discuss this topic.
0: Absolutely. It's an important one, and I'm glad that you're part of the conversation with us today. We're also joined by Maggie Caldwell. She's also a director at OPPORTUNE. Maggie, great to have you on. How are you?
2: great to be here. I'm doing great.
0: Fantastic. Real pleasure getting to source your perspective here today as well. And then last but not least, our third guest is Byrony Cohn. She is a principal at Opportune. Byrony, great to have you on as well. How are you?
3: Thanks for letting me, me be part of the conversation.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with that introduction, let's go ahead and jump in Katie Rose, Maggie, and Byrony. Again, I'm I'm really grateful that all of you are taking the time to give us your perspectives on sort of the state of women in energy. And I want to start by making sure our audience understands your backgrounds and journey through the industry. So, if we could just go down the line, uh, whoever wants to jump in first, uh, tell our audience kind of a quick summary of what drew you to the industry in the first place. Just kind of catalog what that interest was, and you know how it's morphed.
3: Sure. Um, I was actually not drawn to the oil and gas industry at all growing up. My, my yeah. dad, my dad was in oil and gas, um, working on rigs offshore, uh, a lot of safety, blowout prevention type roles, and you know I was very well aware of the cyclical nature of the energy industries, particularly the oil and gas sector. Uh, in the 80s, I vowed to myself that I would do everything I could to to not end up in oil and gas. Um, I got a pretty generic engineering degree, mechanical engineering, thought that I'd have a lot of options with that. Again, tried to make sure that my options were more manufacturing or supply chain type, less oil and gas focused. Um, went to work for a software company right out of college. And wouldn't you know, I ended up hel- helping develop upstream oil and gas software. So spent been about a decade doing that. Really, really enjoyed everything that I was getting to to be a part of uh, and about eight years ago made the jump into business advisory focused mostly on upstream oil and gas operators and non-operators.
1: Yeah. And for me, um, my family has a history in oil and gas and um, coupling that with consulting, you know, being able to go into new clients and uh, solve, you know, whatever, issues or problems that they're having and be able to provide value to them. Each client is different. It's a new puzzle to solve. And so that's something that always intrigued me about consulting in general. But also, oil and gas is such a huge part of this economy. And I just felt like the opportunities were pretty endless.
2: From my perspective, I actually grew up in the Midwest. So I didn't know much um, about the oil and gas industry at all. I um, got an accounting degree, became a CPA, and um, started my journey down in Houston at a big four accounting firm. And there I kind of got a little taste of the oil and gas industry. And honestly, I just kind of wanted more of it. I wanted to do more. I wanted to be more helpful than kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And I got into consulting and I, again, never knew anything about it, but I kind of fell in love with the fast paced, challenging environment and have stayed.
0: I love that. Three very different journeys into the industry, and yet here, all three of you are with leadership positions at the company and helping define, uh, you know, some of the standards for what women can expect in this industry. So now, I'm going to give y'all an option to evangelize a little bit your own industry and what you've seen as the benefits of uh, building a career in said industry. So I'm going to pose kind of a really open-ended big picture question here, but feel free to answer it however y'all want. And I want to hear from all of you here if possible. But the question is simply why should women pursue careers in energy? Right, there's so many career options out there, uh, and many other STEM career options too. If we want to just hone into, uh, you know, a more specific set of fields, so why energy? Right. Let's hear the case from all of y'all.
3: This is Byronie. Uh I I think you know now more than ever there are probably more opportunities in the broader energy industry. You know, we speak about oil and gas because that's probably what the three of us have focused most on in our careers thus far. But if you think about the direction that the energy industry as a whole um, is going and the overall impact on everybody's daily lives, I, I think that it's, you know, I know it's something that I want to be a part of. And I think that, you know, I would encourage anybody to go into this industry.
2: And this is Maggie, just kind of going off of that. I just think it's, you know, it's consistently challenging and it's always relevant and it's it's always evolving into something else kind of like Byrony um, led into. I mean, there's so many different paths that you can take. There's just so many different options for a woman in every career out there.
1: Yeah. And this is Katie Rose. I would agree with both Maggie and Byrony. I think they pretty much said it all best. It's There's so many options. And like Maggie said, it's always evolving and it will continue to evolve. So who knows what the future will bring, but there is a future. And I think it's a perfect time for women to jump on
3: board. There will, there will never be a lack of opportunity should you choose to take it.
0: And why is that, I guess, if you had to, I don't know, get a little bit more specific about what that opportunity looks like.
3: I, I think in a lot of cases, because there are so many different types of roles that you could place with it play within the energy industry. You could work for an operator, you could work for a solar company, you could work in the front office, you could work in the back office, you can have an engineering degree, you can have an accounting degree. So there's just the skill set that you need to be successful is so variable that it provides a lot of opportunity for people.
0: That's fair. That's very fair. And yeah, I mean to that point, if you're into, you know, a role like mine, right? Making content and Being creative, there's plenty of marketing roles and, you know, creative endeavors happening in the industry as well. Uh, Of course, there's all the numerous STEM roles within energy. uh, And then, like you said, more operational or financial roles, right? So like any industry, there's just so many opportunities that uh, no matter your interest, there's probably something there for you. And uh, that's exciting stuff, especially as the industry keeps trying to modernize itself. So, I'm curious too, uh, you know if in that trend of modernization and kind of as you've seen the industry grow over the years since you've been a part of the industry, would you say now is a better time than when you entered the industry to participate or to you know join or or vice versa, right? Or were things better then? Are there any new fresh challenges? Maybe a better question is just how have things changed over time for, uh, you know, prospects wanting to enter the industry?
3: This is irony. We talked about this a little bit, you know, when, when discussing this podcast and content. Uh, and I think that all three of us have pretty unique perspectives and that, you know, I'm at, I'm coming up on, what, 21 years um, in the industry. I have a software background and now do advisory for transactions and, and software implementations. Uh, I would say that the trends that I'm noticing are just part of a normal evolution of, you know, women being in the industry for a longer period of time, right? There's definitely more focus on career path development, building your personal brand, et cetera, not limited to, to a specific gender. But I do think the energy industry as a whole has done a lot to start to support People and their own career paths. Whereas in in the past, it wasn't necessarily like a, a focused initiative.
1: Agree. This is Katie Rose. I, I started my career at Opportune almost right after graduating from college, eleven years ago, and I've had a positive experience. But even in that time period, I can say with confidence that the dynamic has shifted. There has been a shift in mentality in the general corporate makeup when it comes to women. So. Yes, I think now is the time for women in the energy industry and for
0: women to, just, you know,
1: get involved. Um, there are so many opportunities and countless amount of doors to open.
0: Now, I want to also paint the larger picture here. Uh, you know, as we continue to dig into, uh, you know, women in the industry, but I'm curious how you've seen um, everything from, you know, diversity to or uh, let me get more specific there diversity of gender diversity of background race ethnicity religion etc among your uh, among your colleagues and leadership I'm curious how all of that has impacted the quality of your work at opportune and you know being women yourselves how have you seen a commitment to diversity or just you know diversity in practice around you impact uh, what you do at opportune
3: I do think the impact of the socioeconomic background in has become a lot more. I'm a lot more aware of that impact on access to technology, education and personal life experience, shaping the way that your career develops and the options that you think that you have as an individual. Um, so I think the, you know, obviously the energy is going through the energy industry is going through the a transformation of sorts, and you know, ESG is kind of the top of everybody's mind, and we we talk about diversity. But I also think a big component of that that we're starting to see companies do is also you know giving back to the community, uh, empowering people with tools so that they can make choices that maybe their parents and grandparents generations quite literally couldn't have made.
2: And this is Maggie, and just going off of that, I think that companies are really starting you know to hold themselves accountable for making sure that there is diversity in their workplace and kind of being more cognizant and aware of diversity and ensuring that their company is focused on that. Because I do think a lot of candidates coming up, talking about people entering the industry, regardless of gender, um, are looking for that. They are looking, they're asking those questions where I don't know that those questions were being asked before. I didn't think to ask the question about diversity and gender when i was coming into the industry but i definitely think it's a it's a big part of what people are asking nowadays and it's important that employers have the right answer.
3: Yeah, and i would i would say that it's come up when we do our on campus recruiting and career fairs and the first time I, I was caught off guard because i it was the first time i'd been asked the question but it is something that, you know, you need to be able to speak for not only your company's policy but your personal you know, personal experience as well, so that people feel comfortable joining the company.
0: Right. It's a mix of, uh, you know, creating an environment where you can turn to other individual people and feel it in practice, and also have those kind of top down, big picture commitments from uh, the company to, uh, you know, feel like not only is there a focused vision on diversity, inclusion, on, uh, you know, making sure that you have colleagues that come from a similar background to you uh, in your workplace, um, but then also that you as a new employee can have a hand in actually crafting that reality as well. And to say in what that diversity looks like, uh, I'd imagine, is that something that y'all have prioritized or that maybe you're hearing from new entrants as well into the industry? Uh, that they are prioritizing, that kind of combo approach to diversity? No,
3: I, I think that's exactly, you hit the nail on the head, like that, that's how we're approaching it at opportune. That's how many of our clients approach it. I think we're kind of in a unique position as consultants, specifically energy consultants to also see, you know, portfolios of companies and what their initiatives look like and how they're handling the problems. And then we can you know, get together with our advancement council and say, okay, here's what we're seeing, you know, Big publicly traded companies doing, and here's what we're seeing privately you know PE backed companies doing, and we can kind of craft our approach you know learning from their best practices
0: so I've got another question here to kind of uh, continue this big picture talk uh, before we transition back into some tips and strategies. Um, but beyond you know a, a hypothetical woman's gender, right, how does a larger socioeconomic picture of you know, I, I don't know. Let's say, educational background, um, their community where they grew up, maybe access to resources and connections. How would you say any of that is kind of shaping some of the diversity in the industry today? And uh, I'm curious if y'all have any strategies, advice, or anything that you've seen opportune specifically do to keep that in mind to further bring more women across a socioeconomic spectrum into the industry, right? I know that's kind of a lofty question there, but um, I always, I don't know, I always like to intersect those big picture things. So any thoughts there?
3: This is Byronie. The, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, there are several folks within the Opportunity Organization that were part of an outreach program for the Young Women Energized Conference. And what we did was we reached out to local schools, letting them know not only that the this STEM-focused conference was being held, but also that there were scholarship opportunities. Uh, and the scholarship opportunities certainly did focus on those who wouldn't likely have chosen a STEM career path if it weren't for the involvement of the Women in Energy Network or other community outreach programs that, that you know, starting in kindergarten, second grade, third grade, kind of planted the seed that STEM is, is something that is going to, Enhance your skill set, ultimately help you with long-term employment and career growth.
2: This is Maggie. I can I can add to that. I think that the kind of going off of what Byronie had said is that I think the programs that are available now are honestly incredible. I I see these programs that weren't available when I was a child or kid or even would have imagined doing growing up. But you know, some of these financial literacy programs that they have, I know I've participated in one and teaching kids how to budget and all of these different programs that are available that are going to help um, develop, you know, not just people in the en- energy industry, but really provide, you know, diversification to, to all industries and equal opportunity to, to all industries.
1: Yeah. And this is Katie Rose. I I echo that 100%. I think STEM is as a background, having that as a background going into the industry uh, as a degree is super helpful. However, I think like the willingness to learn and gain that experience will serve you 100% more. I I mean, I've learned so much in my career just by being thrown into the mix. And it's a wild ride that has led to opportunities that I'm grateful for. And I think everybody should um,
0: be open to that. Perfect. I appreciate y'all giving those perspectives there. So now let's get into y'all's, um, specific experiences at opportune to further inform your thoughts here on the future of the industry and women's role in the industry. So right now you're all in some kind of leadership role at opportune. Uh, so I'm curious what you feel were some of the, uh, most important steps to securing not only the knowledge that you needed to, uh, get to that point, but also, uh, some important steps for creating the opportunity for leadership itself, right? Uh, Walk us through your journey there and anything that stands out.
1: Yeah. So this is Katie Rose. I think this is kind of applicable to everyone regardless of, of gender, but it's really just putting in the work and showing up and reaching out to those that you respect in your, in your organization and asking for advice and seeking Feedback and then reacting to that feedback, taking in that feedback and responding to it. Um, though, I mean, that would be my ad- advice and something that I try to, you know, continuously do.
3: Yeah. And this is Byron. One of the things that I will say about Opportune compared to, you know, other firms is that we really foster a culture of. Entrepreneurship, if that's even the right word, Um, one of the things that's great is if something that you're that you're interested in, the firm will support you. But you know, one of the things that that I personally am interested in is giving back and sharing my subject matter expertise and where I've seen you know at other companies, people try to maybe hoard that knowledge so that they can be the one expert. One of the things that I think we do really well is, you know, leverage knowledge across multiple service lines and and really try to to spread that expertise out so that people are constantly being developed. And as a leader, that then means that you don't have to be that sole subject matter expert. You can start working on, you know, other tools in my own personal skill set that I need to grow.
2: And this is Maggie. I think um, it's important in your career to not be afraid to take risks and stand up for yourself, um, be loud, be bold. Everyone that knows me will probably say that I'm maybe too bold. Um, but honestly, <laughs> it's uh, it's really worked out for me in my career. And I've gained a lot of respect through being bold and um, not being afraid to take risks and and utilizing your network because you'll never know when it'll come into play. Um, Something that came into play recently, which I would have never guessed, is I mentioned I'm from the Midwest and recently we've been working on a carbon capture project. Well, a lot of carbon capture comes from ethanol plants. And what do you know? It uh, happens that all the ethanol plants are mainly in the Midwest. Um, So I got to utilize my network there, which is something that I would have never expected to utilize. But I just think it's important to make sure that you're maintaining that network and and always developing and utilizing that network.
0: Now, what were some ways that you helped, uh, I guess, build that network for yourself, right? Or or were you, were you kind of extended the olive branch in certain cases where that uh, network was presented to you? Or do you feel like you had to build those connections in a lot of ways and sort of establish that, that diversity and that, uh, you know, women led, A consortium of employees, I guess, that you were looking for to further your career.
2: This is Maggie. I think that early on um, in my career, I kind of had to build it for myself. Um, This is prior to being at Opportune. I was, you know, kind of on my own and really needing to build that network. I was new to the city and trying to find friends and trying to join as many possible networks as I could. Um, And once I got to Opportune, I think that the network was there and available for me to utilize. Um, So I would say, you know, it wasn't just handed to me, but it was definitely helpful. But then it was my job to um, keep and nurture those relationships um, and that network.
1: Yes, I agree with that. A lot of the network building comes from, you know, while you're working with clients, building those kind of relationships outside of just the mundane like work project related things, but also, you know, getting to know them on a more personal level, building that relationship And then maintaining that over the years, whether it's just a text message here and there or an email, you know, checking in and also just people that you work with that may, that maybe used to work at opportune, but have moved on to other opportunities and maintaining those relationships. You never know where that's going to lead. And it's, 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 it's a diligent process, but it's important. And I think that's how you kind of build your network.
3: And it goes both ways, right? We have also clients that would like to leave industry and come into consulting. Uh, I, I just think in general, being a, a genuine human probably is the best way to, to build your network. Uh, I do think that we do a good job cross-pollinating networks, if you will. So you know, if we have someone who wants to approach a specific company, but doesn't have anybody in their personal network, but does recognize a business need and has a thought of what that solution could look like, you know, almost 100% of the time, somebody in the company knows somebody there and can get you connected. 100%, yep.
0: Let's talk STEM here briefly. I'm curious how uh, important you all see STEM being uh, for not only women's education, but also for seeking a career in energy. Right? You kind of mentioned earlier that there's so many options out there. Not all of them are STEM fields. So uh, you know, with this push, too, towards making STEM more diverse uh, and it being a, a recent focus in a lot of industries with a lot of STEM careers, including energy, What are your thoughts? How important is STEM for, uh, you know, the uh, women's education at large, but more specifically for seeking a career in energy?
3: So this is Byronie. I usually like the idea of people with STEM degrees because they come in and I know right off the bat that they probably are analytical and have some problem solving ability. But I think that's really where that in my mind, at least from personal experience ends, you know, I have had a philosophy major. I have had a marketing major, but I I really think the big thing that Katie Rose touched on earlier is that, you know, just on the job training, being available and around, learning from those around you, having good work ethics, showing up. If you see an opportunity, you know, seize that opportunity challenge yourself. Those those are the things that regardless of, of industry will lead you into career success and ultimately leadership positions. I think it helps back to the STEM degree. I think it can help open doors for you. But once that door is open, it's up to you.
2: Yeah, this is Maggie. I completely agree with that. And I think there's also just certain skills that you can't teach no matter what your degree is. Um, being personable, being relatable, being reliable are all things that it doesn't matter what kind of education you have or what you're majoring in that are hugely important in, in any career and especially in the en- energy industry.
0: So let's get kind of timely with it now. I also want to, uh, you know, toss out some of the current realities of our world today and how you see that also defining, you know, common aspects of building a quality career, really regardless of industry, but of course, more importantly, In energy. So, we're getting into that advice and tip section here. So, let's jump into it. Uh, Given everything that's going on in the world currently, right? We've got COVID, which has turned into uh, trends in work from home. There's a lot impacting family life today, impacting, um, you know, raising children. I'm curious how you're able to strike the right work life balance, especially with a career in energy and anything unique to. I don't know, the, the churns of day-to-day work in energy. Uh, so yeah, what are some tips you can share for making that work-life balance work for you with a career in energy?
1: So this is Katie Rose. So when COVID blew up 2020, I had a two-month-old and a two-year-old and schools were closed and it was chaos at home. And I really wanted to do it all. Um now I'm fortunate that I, I do have a husband that is has always been supportive of me and my career. And we were eventually able to find sort of our groove working from home with two little guys. Um we were by all means not perfect, but we were able to give each other and ourselves a little bit of grace during that time. Um I would say also working from home with two little kids, like the hours bleed into days and everything starts bleeding in together. So you know, we made a conscious effort to block time at the end of the day, where both of us were 100 percent present and focused on the kids, reading books, playing games, bedtime routines, etc, the whole gambit. I think it's important to set those boundaries for me it was the kind of dinner time to bedtime hours but that looks different for everyone and a lot of times that means working after dark after the kids go to bed to meet client obligations but we do what we need to do to you know deliver to our clients as well as ensuring that we have a healthy family dynamic now i don't think that this is a gender specific issue I think it has affected everyone, and however, <laughs> I think women in general put a lot of pressure on themselves to be superwoman. So the impact of that, I think, has been a little bit different.
3: Yeah, this is irony. I, for me personally, uh, there, I don't remember if it was a TED talk or a podcast or or what it was, uh, but it, it was a an article that I either read or listened to that really stuck with me, and it was about you know plates spinning right and you know there are going to be times where I'm not going to be the best parent because my, I'm placing importance on, on work or marriage. Um, There are going to be times when I'm not the best partner and there's going to be times when I, when I'm not the best boss, I think allowing yourself that grace, you know, Katie Rose kind of spoke about, you know, the personal expectations you put on yourself, not allowing yourself that grace, but then also just being realistic about what you can possibly get accomplished. And, you know, reaching out for help from from your partner, from your friends, from your coworkers, if it's just something that's not gonna be realistically done, particularly given like the COVID type of situations of the world. I do think one of the silver linings that, that we really saw was that you know everybody's pivot was the same and everybody was thrown into this. Okay, I don't know how I'm gonna make all of my obligations work. I don't know how to keep my kids entertained while I'm on a Zoom call you know, is it okay for my dog to be barking in the background? And then it's like, I don't remember how far into it where you kind of realize everybody's dog is barking in the background. You know, life keeps going. The plates keep spinning and really all we can do is give ourselves some grace and and do the best that we can. Um, to, To echo Katie Rose's point, you know, there, at least I know my own situation and Katie was in a similar one. You know, we had really, uh, strict deadlines for projects that, when COVID hit and we all went remote, those those deadlines didn't go away. And you know, it was us and the clients just trying to figure it out day by day, week by week, month by month. And you know, so there were some some late nights for sure, uh, but there were late nights all around, right? Because when when I need when I needed to work late, then I needed to support from my family or my friends or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean that uh, that idea of being superwoman right supermom and taking on every responsibility and feeling like you know you have to be able to balance it all uh i'm sure it's taxing and and tough i mean what have been some of y'all's strategies for uh conquering that a little bit right and building in some time for yourselves finding a better balance of of you know uh i don't know a larger community approach to um to achieving those goals and to having support where you need it, right? Has anything worked for y'all that you think uh, it would be worth passing on to our audience?
3: You know, it's it's interesting because I, again, back to like the silver linings of it, not only did it kind of strengthen some of my relationships with my own village, um, you know, as a consultant and a processing technology consultant is that, you know, a lot of historical consulting work was done on the road, Right. So the fact that I was actually in town and able to be present for track meets, or able to help if they couldn't get logged into the Zoom, my husband wasn't completely on his own with 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 everything happening at home while I was off in you know who knows what oil and gas centric city probably super awesome. Uh, I that part of it I, I just needed to remind myself of the good things that came out of it. You know, are we we developed skills with our our kids picked up sports like skateboarding and other things that they could do outside that they never would have picked up before right and there's a, a lot of good that still came out of it but ultimately i i feel like i have through both coworkers family and friends a much stronger network of support than i had before and i've tried to be that a member of that network of support for my coworkers friends
2: and family as well Yeah, this is Maggie Byrne. I think that that's a really interesting point. Um, Just because when my daughter, my daughter was six months old when um, COVID hit, and I know Katie Rose had a little one as well. Um, And being able just to spend that lunch hour with her was honestly invaluable to me. I was going to work before then, you know, before she got up and I was coming back when she was already in bed. And I felt like I was missing out on some of that time. And so that time to me was truly invaluable. And, um, the other thing is, is also relying off of, um, your relationships. And I don't think I ever thought I would, uh, call my mom in Iowa and ask her for, for so much help. Um, you know, if my husband had to go out of town, cause he was still traveling for work. Um, and I was going to be alone working from home, trying to manage a two-year-old. I, I had to reach out and ask for help. And I think it was really humbling, but also really showed how much, how many people you have in your corner and how many people care about you.
0: Yeah. Sometimes, uh. You know, a major barrier is feeling like you can ask for help, right? And you can bring those people, uh, you know, into the picture. And so I'm, I know I've definitely heard that from women in my life that, you know, a lot of the times it's feeling empowered to just ask for help in the first place. And then a lot of times people are, are willing to to chime in and to be a support structure. Um, but sometimes it just, it takes, you know, raising the alarm, like, hey, I need help, right? And that can be uh, that can be a tough place to land on. But but it sounds like y'all are are making the best of a tough situation. Now, given the current realities of COVID, of work from home, etc., there's other challenges here too, right? Uh, specifically with networking and building community and connections in your career. Everyone is you know, relatively distant, uh, especially if you're still working from home, that can hamper networking, it can hamper how you stay connected with your colleagues, but also your friends and your family. So I'm curious what has or hasn't worked for y'all to create that community and those connections, right? And there's a lot of different options here. Uh, Let's start with your work connections and networking you know let's say conferences virtually or in-person connecting with your colleagues or your industry contacts or even your clients right give us that big picture of what has or hasn't worked in maintaining that connection maintaining that community and why
2: sure so this is maggie and again i think it's definitely been an adjustment for everyone trying to navigate you know this new world and environment that we live in and i don't think anyone can say with a straight face that it's been easy um, I do think there was initially a lot of concern on whether client relationships and relationships in general would struggle as a result. But something I personally realized um, over time is that I actually was getting a lot closer with my clients as the struggles of working from home, COVID scares, toddler tantrums, dogs barking in the background um, was all something that made us human and genuinely relatable to each other. I think it made us realize that we're all in the same boat and navigating this new crazy world we live in together. And I think having those moments where you're on a Zoom call and your clients' kids come home from school and there's mass chaos in their background and my toddler's having a tantrum over the dog, not playing hide and go seek or whatever other ridiculous two-year-old reason um, always provides some necessary humor as well as empathy on what everyone is going through and just demonstrating how we are all human and how we all have a personal life outside of work that we're struggling to manage. And honestly, I feel like the traditional work environment tends to hide those struggles and those realities and us being human. So I've tried to embrace this time and bond and network with my clients in a different way that I that wouldn't have been possible outside of COVID. Um, for example, I wouldn't have known that their child got detention or their child won an award or their dog barks because they're afraid of thunder and i honestly probably wouldn't even know that they had a child or dog if it wasn't for the situation that we're in and i think taking a step back and focusing and embracing the positives has really worked well for me um i'm not sure what the future will look like in terms of the work from home environment but i do know the deep personal relationships that i've built with my clients during this time while they may not be traditional, have honestly been invaluable.
1: I tried to start virtual meetings with something light and personal, like, you know, what I did last weekend, what I ate for breakfast, something funny my kid did yesterday or, you know, anything like that. Um, just to make me more of like what Maggie said, a relatable human and not just a stranger on the screen. Um Also, as Maggie mentioned, when a screaming toddler comes running into the room in the middle of a Zoom, I think everyone on the other side of the screen is like, oh, I've been there. And that in itself, I think, is an instant connection.
0: Very true. Very true. (laughs) Sometimes it's just about creating those little touch points with people and reminding everyone that, oh, yeah, we're all in this together. We're all facing some of those same challenges. Love that. All right, we're approaching the end of the interview. I want to say big thanks to the three of y'all for all your perspective so far. Uh, So one of my last questions here is, you know, kind of framed up like this and that naturally not every company is created equally, right? Though the industry as a whole may have standards that it's wanting to set, a lot of the time it comes down to just the hiring trends and practices of an individual company to create diversity as a focus, uh, and, you know, to identify, uh, ways to make sure that various demographics are represented. So what would you say that a woman looking to enter the industry should prioritize in, you know, a company that might want to employ them, right? That, uh, would meet those standards or that, uh, you know, I don't know any red flags that you think folks should also watch out for can inform your answer here. So what do you think?
2: Sure. This is uh, Maggie. I would say when you're looking, I guess a red flag for me would be, you know, don't, if you're being yourself and you're standing out and you're asking questions and challenging others, which you should, uh, regardless of their gender or title, and someone is pushing back or, you know, making you feel uncomfortable, I would say that's definitely not the right spot for you. I just would challenge, um, all women to find a spot where they can stand out and be bold and ask questions and challenge others because honestly I wish wish someone would have told me that uh, early on in my career because I think doing those things um, has allowed me to gain the respect of others and succeed in my position and I believe other women will as well.
1: Yeah, and this is Katie Rose. I think what I would say to other women who uh, are thinking about starting a career in energy is I think now is your time. N- Be assertive and unapologetically go after
0: what you want. And then to close things out, one more piece of advice from y'all, but I'm curious what advice you'd give to women who may be thinking about starting a career in the energy industry, right? Kind of a, a big picture question here to close things out, but anything that you just think they need to keep in mind as they enter or as they look for that first role to build a career.
1: I would say find someone who you look up to and you perceive as a role model who will champion you and stay connected with them whether they are within your company or without your you know outside your company many years ago opportune had a speaker and they talked about building your own personal board and that stuck with me Because it's about basically building a board membership of people that you look up to and that will have your back and give you good advice. And I think that is very important if you want to grow your career.
2: This is Maggie. Uh, I think it's already been said multiple times, but honestly, I can't reiterate enough the importance of your network and establishing that network and nurturing that network. Uh, no matter how big or small you think that relationship is, it can be with the CFO. It can be with a janitor. You never know how, how those relationships are going to affect you. And really, um, benefit your career going forwards. And honestly, they're so invaluable and just never uh, discredit the value of a network.
0: All right, then I think with those final pieces of advice, we can go ahead and wrap up the conversation. So thank you again to uh, the three of you for giving your perspectives today on women in energy, providing some Tangible uh, and actionable tips and strategies for women wanting to enter the industry, and also giving your analysis of how the industry is doing in terms of diversity and building those equitable channels, and uh, you know, what all of you are doing to create the industry in reality that you want to see. So, thanks again to our three guests Katie Rose Hurd, Director at Opportune, Maggie Caldwell, Director at Opportune, and Byrony e. Cohn, Principal at Opportune. And folks, uh, if we want to, you know, point listeners in the right direction, maybe they want to get in contact with all of you, maybe they want to uh, learn a little bit more about opportune's commitments to equity and diversity, where can they go, right? Any information online that you'd point them to?
2: Opportune.com. And this is Maggie, and you can find us all via LinkedIn as well. And feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer any questions you may have.
0: Perfect. Y'all thank you so much. And, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be listeners out there who maybe want to pose some direct questions y'all's way, or, uh, you know, just pose some challenges maybe they're having in the industry seeking advice. So if you're out there, you're a woman in the energy industry and you want to interface with any of our three guests, here are their emails. You can, uh, reach them at K at opportune.com. That's K H E R D. At opportune.com, uh, at opportune.com, mcaldwell m caldwell at opportune.com, M C A L D W E L L, and then B Cone at opportune.com, B C O A N at Opportune.com. So again, thank you to the three of you, Katie Rose, Maggie, and Byrony. It's really been a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to chatting again soon.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an Opportune podcast. If you like what you heard today and you want some previous episodes or you want to make sure you're all tapped into future conversations here on the show, make sure that you're heading to our website, opportune.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of E2B.